Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So we're in the midst of a series called Hearing the Voice of God. And today we're going to do something that I think is incredibly important. We're going to have a conversation about how do we hear the voice of God in dark and difficult times? How do we hear the voice of God in tough places, at times when things are not going your well, uh, going that well, and at times where you don't feel like yourself? And so I'm going to invite uh, Dave Walton. Uh, Why don't you give him a huge welcome as he comes? It's Dave's birthday today. And as I said, what a great privilege for him to spend that with me, talking (laughs) to me. But welcome, Dave. Thank you. Uh, And and so, Dave, I, I want to thank Dave in advance for his courage in sharing, and he's going to be sharing about uh, his journey and his story. And so, thank you, Dave, for um, yeah being a bit vulnerable. And I believe that's going to help a lot of people, those that are here, and also those that are going to be listening uh, online as well. So, uh, let me just start with a couple of questions. Uh, start with really briefly about about your childhood. What was your earliest memory growing up? Oh, I've always been um, an outdoor sort of guy and I've loved push bikes. I think one of my earliest memories was um, living in Seaford, Victoria yeah, and um, getting my push bike, flying down the driveway, which was quite steep, straight out into the road. Mm. And um, it wasn't until one of the neighbours informed my parents that that's probably pretty dangerous what he's doing yeah. there and they put a stop to that. Yeah. So that was pretty unfortunate. But uh, that's definitely one of the earliest memories, yeah. yeah. Mm. So growing up, you had quite a, a normal childhood. Yes. Stable family. Yes, very much so, yep. yeah. Uh, the youngest out of four children, I had three older sisters that used to constantly pick on me. It's terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, lot, lots of freedom. Um, you know, from as, as young as I remember, it mm. was just like, I don't think my mm. parents knew where I were. But as long as I came home for dinner, it was all good. <laughs> Bit different to today, eh? That's right. So, um, when did you first come to to faith? At the age of eighteen. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I'd, I'd been uh, in the church scene with my parents, but um, like a lot of us when we're growing up, uh, going to church didn't mean you had a relationship with God at all. Mm. And uh, for me, I hated going to church because I just thought it was so boring. Mm. And um, so at the age of 18, through um, music actually, because I've always drummed for as long as I can remember, um, got connected with some guys who had a Christian band and I actually saw faith in action outside of church. Mm. It was really weird because they asked me along to a gig and, um, uh, sorry, just a a rehearsal and uh, one of the guys said, well, look, before we start playing, I'm just going to pray. I'm like, what? But we're not in church. And I soon saw that he had 
a real relationship with God. Mm. And, um, it, it, yeah, through that, um, yeah, I came to know mm. the Lord, which was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when you met your wife, uh, Di? Uh, well, I would say 16. Um, she, we we kind of got together and got apart a few times before we were mm. a permanent thing, but mm. I remember I actually owned a car, nice. but I wasn't old enough for a license yet, and I used to drive it because she's older than me. Okay. <laughs> Cradle Snatcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but got married very young. Yeah. I was 20, I was 21, and um, here we are mm. 100 years later still 100 married. 100 years, yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and so you got four, four kids. Yep, four adult children, all married. Yeah, um, seven grandkids and two more. Wow. in the oven. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. due in really November good. this year. So very yep. exciting. So grew, grew up in a Christian home. Yes, made your own decision at eighteen. Yes, uh, attended church regularly. Mm-hmm. You also started a business, which is yes. still going today. Yes. Yep. yep. So. Um, in April this year, we celebrated 34 years in wow. business. Yep. Um, and that's the, the original sign company that yep. we started. And um, we have a, another business which is seven years old, mm. uh, which uh, fabricates privacy screens and gates and fences and okay. all that sort of nice. thing. Yep. And we did start up a third one and then uh, COVID hit. Mm. Uh, it was a Hong Kong-based business and okay. um, wow. and that was that was part of the whole as Di calls it, mm. um, the perfect storm yeah. where I, I experienced um, basically burnout. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you, you and I have talked and we've talked about um, achievement and the need to achieve having a big role in your life, mm-hmm. uh, in your business life, in your, your personal life and also in your church invo- involvement. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I suppose I look back over the years and I see what was my motivation to want to succeed. And um, I would think that uh, right from the start, I had this drive. I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. You know, we were, you know, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like he was abusive or anything. But if you, if you had to measure, um, you know, a great relationship by, you know, your interaction and, you know, your depth of conversation and time spent. It wasn't great. And um, I'd always long to hear the words um, from my dad, you know, I love you and I'm proud of you. And um, so there was this motivation to achieve that I would get my dad's attention. And um, so, you know, basically, uh, you know, you mentioned ministry as well. Um, It's pretty easy when you come into the Christian world uh, to take your current world in, in, in work and just transfer it. So everything that you did and, um, you know, which was for reputation or whatever, which was in the business world, you can just take that and duplicate it in the Christian world and you find you're doing the same thing. And you find you're doing that for other authority figures that are above you mm. uh, in the Christian world. So, yeah. So... You mentioned that you had a, a series of circumstances that led you to burnout. Mm. What were the early signs for you that things, sure. things weren't going good? Yeah. Well, can I just mention that I've got, I've got four guys here that have come to visit today to support me that were an incredible support throughout this 
this whole journey. And um, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you being here. They've heard this story many times. They know my story, but they've still come to support me. So this is like a repeat for them. But anyway, um, so uh, basically uh, just doing too much. So taking on a third business which uh, was quite stressful because it was an online business. We had lots of glitches. Um, 2019 was a, an incredibly difficult year to be in business when, if you're in the sign trade. Um, there just wasn't much work around. We saw lots of other quite large sign companies go broke. Um, and just big corporates just weren't spending money that they used to. Every, you know, it, it, it was pretty bad. Um, and being in that situation where you have no control of the outcome. Like you're willing to work hard, you've got staff that are willing to work hard, but you don't have the work to do it. You know what I mean? A great team. At the same time, involved in too many ministries and probably through that time I would be fair to say that my mate Dave here would probably ring me just about every day to check on me. And um, when uh, you know I was involved in... Di was leading the Alpha at our church, so I was on team with her, um, with Men's Connect groups, uh, reading, uh, leading the, uh, the shed ministry at church. Um, I was involved in um, you know one-on-one -on -one prayer sessions for in Freedom Prayer, and Dave would ring me and he'd say, "Dave, you don't think you're taking too much, do you, buddy?" No, nah, she'll be right. <laughs> and it's like you know the old thing—you give a a busy person, something to do and it'll get done. And um, I remember Di challenging me one day and she said, you know, what would it look like for you to hand those ministries just to put them down? Mm. You know, you, you need to look at the motives of your heart while you're doing these things. And um, that was actually really, really difficult because at that point I knew in an instant um, my ego was well-fed being mm. a leader in all these ministries. Mm. And, um, and, you know, basically the, the first sign that came that I, I was heading into burnout was I started to become quite cynical. And, um, you know, that was towards uh, leadership in the church. Um, uh, I, I lost the capacity uh, to deal with all the stress and that that I had at work. And, um, you know, so many decisions and so many things that you've got to deal with as, as a business owner, mm -hmm. especially if you're in a, a business of fabrication, guys making things wrong and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And um, I just started to lose the capacity to deal with it. And, um, you know, that led to depression, which looked like total dread, like waking up with this sense in your gut that, I'm going to face the day and fail again. Something else is going to go wrong again. And basically crying on the way to work. And, and, and the prayer at that time, Andrew, was God change my circumstances mm. and then everything could be back the way it was mm. and I'll be all good again. And it's like it's, it's, it's a real struggle, you know, as a business owner and you're a Christian and you employ 20-something people, the last thing you want to do is stand people down because you don't have enough work. And so you feel it's your responsibility and, and it's, you know, that you should have the faith that God will provide the work, that you can provide the jobs, that those people can provide for their families. So it's, it's actually kind of another 
load of bricks on your shoulders, that this is my responsibility. God, what am I not doing that you're not listening to me? Mm. You know what I mean? Why are you allowing this to happen? And I probably let it go 12 months before I put the first person off. And, um, you know, that was really difficult. And when I did, it was just like, there's half a dozen people waiting for this to happen. It's like, how long could he, <laughs> how long could this guy hold out for before his business goes broke? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that probably answers that question. We've got a hundred yeah. ahead of us, so we, we better no, get going. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So this was 2019. Yes, was this had COVID? No, hit yet. This is no. This is, this, this is just basically yep. mm. uh, the economy in Brisbane mm. and. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just us because mm. you know when you, when you're in a trade when you're um, in in fabrication and you're quoting, and um, a job's worth a thousand dollars and someone else says to you, "Oh, I've got a price for six hundred, you just think to yourself, "Well, hang on a minute, there's six hundred bucks worth of materials there. Yeah. What are these people doing? Yeah. And um, and then you you hear you know, and there's like there was companies that were over twenty years old that were folding. Mm. So the reality was. And, um, you know, this is the big thing, isn't it? Fear and control are totally connected. Mm. You know, if you have no control, and we've experienced this in the, in the whole COVID situation, haven't we? When we can't control the outcome, mm. we fear. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, the, the driving force behind my, my anxiety was fear and no control. Mm. Mm. And so how did this affect your relationships um, at home how did this affect you personally give us a little bit of a a, a window into mm. you, you've mentioned that sense of dread but yeah. you know with your relationship with your yeah your wife and yeah. yeah well bear in mind I was 55 years old then never experienced any mental health issues before looking back now I can spot that okay I, I, I did have anxiety issues but nothing that would ever stop me from doing anything. And so, um, you know, I suppose the biggest impact when it would come to relationships would have to be die because, you know, um, you know, to give you just a little bit of a look of what that, that looked like, I could be sitting at the table and we could have some family over and you'd be having a normal conversation and it would be just all of a sudden like this dark cloud would just go zoom. It would just sit on you and you'd just be there. Oh. And it's just like all you want to do is head for the bedroom, make it as dark as possible and sleep and hope that when you wake up, you're going to feel better. Mm. And, um, you know, for Di, it wasn't a great time, you know, and, and she's probably got a, a whole morning that she could mm. share how it, it, it impacted her. Mm. So I would say of all the people – this would impact the most would be die. Mm. Um, uh, fortunately, I had um, guys in my life that um, I already had rela- relationships where we were vulnerable and transparent with one yep. another. Um, so you know that was really helpful. Mm. So, but you want to sorry yep. you want to yep. in that position you want to insulate and isolate. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be around other people. You just want to separate mm. and, yeah, mm. so yep. quite a big impact, yeah. So when you began to realise that you had some mental health issues, mm. how had you thought about that 
uh, you know, about people with mental health issues growing mm. up. Mm. Uh, what was your previous view of that? Yeah, so um, it isn't amazing how God can change your view when he puts you through something yourself. <laughs> and it, to be perfectly honest, I'm not proud of it. I was very judgmental of people with mental issues. And it was just like, well, you know, my view was they're obviously kind of weak in character and, you know, they'll never be able to achieve much because they, they that's just the way they are. Mm. Don't expect much from them. And so how humbling for me mm. to go through that experience and realise, oh, hang on a minute, if you're in that space of poor mental health and um, you're trying to get out but you can't, mm. it's like, okay, this is this is a, a, a complete new mm. mindset. Mm. Yeah. And how did this um, season affect your relationship with God? You said that you were praying for your circumstances to change, mm. but they were getting worse. Yeah. So what was significant about that? I suppose I realized, you know, when you go through suffering, there's certain uh, books in the Bible that really speak to you. And, um, and if, you know, God has put this book called Job in the Bible, mm. <laughs> which is which is, it's there to teach us. It's there to teach mm. us how to suffer. And um, and I was saying this the other day to Andrew, you know, in the Western world, when they're suffering, we just go, why God? But in the Eastern world, they look at a book of, of Job and they go, ah, a book that teaches us how to suffer, how mm. to walk with God through our suffering. So it's a completely different mindset. So I've forgotten the question, mm. sorry. I got off a bit so, there. So, yeah. So you, you said something to me that was very striking uh, you said you didn't have a spiritual view yeah. mm. of your situation yeah yeah and uh, yeah. you shared a, a scripture from James 1 mm. 2 to 5 yep yeah um, yeah absolutely so James 1 2 to 5 talks about you know what we can learn through our suffering that God is actually teaching us character he's teaching us perseverance and and there's a purpose in it right and um and I, I suppose my prayer eventually had to change because it was constantly God changed my circumstances rather than God, what are you trying to teach me in these circumstances? Mm. What is there about me? And, um, you know, we all know the story about the rich young ruler and uh, he doesn't want to put his wealth down because he has so much security in his wealth. Well, that was a big eye-opener for me. Um, you know, we, we over the years have done quite well, live very comfortably. Um, finances haven't been an issue. We talked about retirement the other day and what a budget would look like, and I'm there, I don't think I want to retire. That doesn't <laughs> But it, it just, that's also highlighting within me that, ooh, okay, there's a connection there to wealth that I'm finding security in that God wants to undo. Mm. And that's... A painful journey. Yeah. Mm. So if, if there's people that are listening right now and they are kind of maybe in that season where they're, they've got some very challenging situations and they're, they might even be disappointed with God that he hasn't come through for them, what, what would you say? What encouragement would you give to them? I'd say that there, um, there is an intimacy with the Holy Spirit that awaits you in your suffering and in your hardships, in your disappointments, in your failures, mm. that will absolutely rock your world. And, you know, 
God wants us to press in for that. And when we do, he will not disappoint. And I experience through that time in, in my crying out to God, I experience an intimacy with him that I hadn't experienced before. And God is totally familiar with suffering, mm. totally. And um, I, I remember a meeting that we had. Michael here, one of my friends, um, runs what we call fight nights. And that's a bunch of guys getting together and in prayer we're fighting for our relationship with God. We're fighting for our relationship with our wives, with our, our, with our children uh, and with our walk with God. And there was a guy there one night and he cried out and he said, God, why do you hide yourself from me? And I just felt a word from the Lord that came and said, hey, I spoke into this guy's life and said, hey, God hasn't hidden himself from you and your suffering. In fact, he has exposed himself on a hill on a cross mm. for all of the world to see, mm. that he completely identifies with you and your suffering. Mm. And um, it, it, like, if you're here today and you're not going through something, you are the minority because <laughs> normally we've all got something, yeah. whether it's something in our past that we still haven't reconciled with God, something that's really, really painful. And God, mm. how did you allow that to happen? And he wants you to press in. He wants you to mm. know that he is com completely mm. familiar with suffering. And rather than take you out of it, he wants to walk mm. through it with you. Yeah. And, I, and I know Psalm 23 is such a beautiful psalm. And it says, as, as I walk through the valley of the shadow mm. of death. It's like this is going to be, if you haven't experienced it, this is going to be something you're going to experience. You are going to walk through the valley. And this psalm is like saying, hey, as I walk through there, mm. he, is, he is my companion. He won't leave me, but I'm going to be walking through it. Mm. Awesome. Very good. Very encouraging. So give us some headlines of some of the things you had to do to get better in yep. this season. So a lot of this had happened before we had you and I had met yes. um, and before you joined this church. Um, so what, what were some things that you needed to do? Just some, some yep. brief headlines yep. of those things. So um, it was pretty obvious I wasn't well. I was seeing um, a naturopath, a Christian naturopath at the time and spending hundreds of dollars a month trying to get my serotonin levels up. And if you don't know anything about serotonin, basically if your serotonin levels are really low, basically as things pass through the brain to deal with, they just just about slow down to a stop. So if you're, if you're dealing with something that's really difficult, rather than just respond to it, okay, yeah, I'll deal with that, move on, it's, it's in your head and you can't get rid of it. And you wake up just with that sense of complete lowness. Mm. And so, um, so first of all, I was seeing him that that didn't work. And I had gone to see a doctor, a doctor who wanted to put me on um, antidepressants. And, and honestly, there's this stigma that for me as growing up is you had to be really sick and you're going to get onto something addictive. And if I'm a man of faith, God will heal me. You know, why do I need to go on antidepressants? If God wants me healed, I'll be healed. 
And so um, visiting doctors and whatever, there, there's, there's things they ask you. First of all, do you eat well? Yes. Do you exercise daily? Yes. Do you drink? No, I don't. Oh, alcohol, that is. I drink water. Yeah. Um, and so you're getting enough sleep. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing my best. But, you know, when you're in that space and you wake up, you know, 2, 3 a.m. and you're in full anxiety mode, <laughs> your sleep's not great. You plan mm. for it, but you don't get it. Mm. And so, you know, first of all, they'll look at these things at the physical elements. And as things just dived, uh, mm. eventually the naturopath said to me, look, you, you're going to have to go see your GP. You're just going to have to. And... Um, that was really hard for me to reconcile. It really was. And, you know, um, I don't know if it's a, 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 a preconception, what, what I had to deal with. Um, but, you know, for a long time I felt like a failure, mm. that I had to go on antidepressants and I wasn't going to mm. get well another way. But, you know, I think die begged me for, for how long to go see the doctor to do it. Mm. You know, but it's like, no, I'll be right, I'll be right. But I wasn't right. Yeah. And um, in the end, you could see the impact on the people around mm. you, and mm. it wasn't good. And so um, I, I, eventually I conceded, and um, within a couple of months, you know, everything that needed to be rebalanced was yeah. rebalanced. Yeah. And um, it, it was very helpful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so let's talk um, practically about hearing the voice of God as part of this this series. You said that your prayer changed when you met God in your circumstances, as opposed to asking God to change your circumstances. So, so meeting God where where you're at. Tell us a little bit about about that. Well, look, I, I look at. Um you know, I, I've, I've been in men's ministry for quite a while before coming here. And you see new converts that come to Christ with a preconception of what coming to God should look like. And it's like, okay, well, I'll come to you, God, and I'll try you out. You know what I mean? And it's like after a couple of months, it's like, yeah, I tried it, but it wasn't for me. It's like, well, what was your expectations that God was going to be your your servant and you know, answer all and give you everything that you needed so things wouldn't go wrong anymore. And um, and so in a fashion that can go on for a long time, can't it? We can have an expectation. You know, you say, well, if I was God, I'd heal that person. You know, if it was me, I would just instantly heal them and I'd put them out of their pain and misery and it'd all be good. And so I had to come with terms with God is God. And you can always relate this to your relationship with your own children, especially if you've got young ones and they ask you for something and you know if you were to give it to them straight away, there would be no learning in that whatsoever, right? Mm. And so if, if I had to, had to keep thinking in that, in that mentality that what's trusting God look like? And, okay, stop asking him to take this away from me and change my circumstances and asking him what's his purpose in this. And isn't it crazy, like, mm. you know, we can go off on our own little way, we can make all these plans that we never ask God if that's what he wants in the first place and uh, we can get ourselves into all sorts of trouble and then disaster comes upon us and then we put our hands up and go, 
why God did you allow this to happen? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was my situation basically, right? Taken on so much stuff, been worried about work, not trusting God for, for anything basically, but in fear trying to control everything. And coming to that point in my life where I realised this is what life looks like when you don't trust God, mm. you know? And so the prayer had to change. God, what are you trying to say to me in this mm. situation? Rather than God, change my situation, which yeah. is it, it yeah. is a big spin, right? It's yeah. very significant. And it doesn't mean situation changes, but it, your mindset completely changes mm. To allowing God to be mm. God. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Very, very powerful. Mm. Very powerful. So, a, a practical question for, for those of us that are in or have been or definitely will be at some time in our life in a, in a difficult situation, how do you know what's God and what are other voices in this time? Because you're not yourself and you're... Yeah, you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. Um, so, what are some what are some things that you? Yeah, it's you it's do? a really good point you make because you know uh, people that go a step further and they become suicidal. You think how can they do that? But they can do that because they're no longer rational. They're not thinking like you and me are thinking right now. That oh, okay, you know, situations can change. Things will look different. It'll you know this bad time will pass. Whatever. And so, um, obviously, before you get to that time, you need to hear the word of God. You need to know God. You need to be um, sharing your, your, your situation with other people. And so, for me, it was um, a big thing as I was receiving comfort. I was receiving um, affirmation from God, especially through the Psalms. That was, like, incredibly dear to me but also through wise Christian men who I knew I could trust. Mm. And um, this is really, really important. If you come away from anything today, the, the, the most important thing I want you, to, want you to get is if you're not sharing your life with at least one other person or several other people where they can check in on you and you're accountable to them and you're, you're insulated or isolated – it could end really badly. Mm. So, uh, look, I'm super grateful to God that I was already in mm. those relationships mm. where people I was accountable to people and they were keeping an eye on me uh, because if I wasn't, you know, the situation could be different. Mm. So, look, um, if, if you come home with anything today, please be in that situation so when the hard times come, you can weather them with your friends. Yeah. And you have to be really, you know, you're talking about EQ, emotional intelligence. You have to make sure that you have friends that have some emotional intelligence that have to deal with this stuff. And, um, look, I had plenty of well-meaning guys who, you know, would get together with me with a, for a breakfast or a lunch or something, and I'd come home to die and I'd go, I can't spend any more time with them. Because <laughs> so well-meaning, but... It was just, it was just so wrong, you know, the information they were trying to give me. And once again, we go back to Job and sorry, let's just go into a little bit that so practically. So yes. when you say it was wrong, what mm. 
what was wrong about it. Okay. Why, why was it? Why was it not I'll, helpful? I'll give to an you. example. So, one guy I heard I talked to had also been through some financial difficulty with his business, and his advice to me was, Dave, I've got this app on my phone, which I all I do is press the button, and it tells me how much money I've got in my bank account. So whenever I'm worried, I look at it. And I'm there. Hey, that's no help if your bank account's going like this. <laughs> it's like, that is really crappy advice, but thanks. Yeah. So it's more, more about people who would, who would listen to you, who wouldn't try and give yes. you specific solutions. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And as I was saying, look, I learned that from Job. You know, when Job lost everything, his friends came and sat with him for seven days and never said anything. Mm. Isn't that amazing? They just sat there. Mm. And um, so, you know, getting with people that I could just sit with and they just allowed me just to, mm. just to voice it, just yeah. to let it out. Yeah. And um, that's, that's a real skill for men too, let me tell you. Because Pro- most, Probably in women as well too. Well, it's probably a natural for skill for women, but for the men that I got with to find guys that knew how to listen, mm. it's a rare skill mm. in men. Mm. More of a natural skill for women. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Go women. <laughs> and men. <laughs> so what what encouragement would you give to other people that are facing these challenges? Maybe there's there's I'm sure there's people as you said Facing challenges puts you in the majority, not the minority. Mm. Yeah. But what someone is listening to this right now or on podcast and they're yeah. going through them, what would you say to them? What what encouragement would you give? What- okay, so, so the first thing is you need to open up the honesty dialogue with God. And if, if you're angry with God, mm. just spill the beans, you know? That's good. You, you yeah. really need to be honest and – uh, for me, a form of journaling for me is, um, as uh, once again, these guys in the group, we started writing our own psalms. And, um, you know, the psalms are amazing. You, you know, Psalm 3, David's saying, you know, God, break their jawbones, smash their teeth. You know, I'm just thinking, well, we probably shouldn't be praying that, but I love his honesty, <laughs> you know. It's really, really good. I really love his honesty. and um, And so... Uh, uh, you know, you see this thing in the Psalms where, um, you know, the the first half, and they don't all f- follow this format, but a lot of do. The, the first half just spill out truth and honesty. This is how I'm feeling. Where are you, God? Don't forsake me. Don't leave me. You know, I need you in this time. And then it goes to the second half of the Psalm, and it starts proclaiming who God is. And then when you start proclaiming who God is, it starts to speak to your own soul and go, hang on a minute, this is the God who created the universe. This is the God who gave up his only son for me. This is the God who loves me and calls me Mm. son. Mm. There's got to be something in that. And we start proclaiming all these truths. And this is if you follow a psalm, a lot of them do this. And in the second half, there's this incredible affirmation and it finishes off with this declaration of praise. Mm. And so um, this this honest dialogue always finishes in who he is mm. and what he can achieve in our lives. 
So, if, you know, if, if you're listening on podcasts or whatever and, you know, you feel like your life's on a bit of a roundabout, you know, week in, week in, it's the same thing, my situation's not changing, you want to ask God for an exit off that roundabout. What's that look like? You're asking him for wisdom. You're pouring out everything that's within you. God, I need to take an exit. I want to be different. I want to walk as a son. I want to be someone who is not directed by my own fear, but perfect faith casts out all fear. And um, you know, I, I I love stories in the Bible where you know, you know, Jesus comes up to you know, was it the centurion that comes up to him and asks for his child to be healed, yeah. and um, he says. I don't have the faith, but give me the faith so I can believe. And I think that's me. Mm. You know, that depicts me. You know, especially if I'm praying for someone for for healing or whatever. Lord, I don't have the faith, but can you give me the faith? Yeah. 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 Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's just. I think one of the most important things you said is just for us to open up that dialogue, just to get real with God, just to meet God where we are. Sometimes I think we have to feel we have to get ourselves a little bit better before we meet God. Like we've got to get a couple of, we string a couple of good days together. So that's really, really important. We're going to um, put some stuff up on our website and, and social media around helping people learn how to pray. Uh, in this way so that's really 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 helpful so why don't you thank Dave and just stay there mate for a minute we're going to be finished in probably about three minutes I want to share a scripture from Romans uh, chapter 8 38 and 39 and it's talking about nothing separating us from the love of God And maybe you've thought that your circumstances and maybe you've thought that mental health challenges have separated you from God. And I want to tell you that nothing can separate you from the love of God, no matter what you're facing. This is the Apostle Paul. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And maybe you're listening. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. What does it mean to give your life to Jesus? It means that you're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. And I'm inviting you in so that we can walk this journey together. And so I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. Uh, And if that's you today, why don't you just lift up your hand so that I can see you and that we can agree in prayer together. Jesus, we thank you for your presence, that you are here. And for those that have never given their life to you or even those that today they're reminded that walking with you is putting trust in you, is listening to your voice, is keeping in step with you. God, I pray that your presence would fill their hearts. Lord, that they would know that they don't have to get it all together to come to you. 
but you want to do life with them. You want to meet them in this exact moment because you're the one that brings health and wholeness and healing. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. The final thing that we want to say is that as a church, when it comes to these areas, we want to do more than just one thing. And I'll I'll explain what I mean by that. If you're uh, facing some challenges of any kind, we want for you to be able to find someone in our community that you can be honest with. That's one thing that we want to do. We want to pray for you. That's another thing. If you've got, uh, if you need healing of any kind, whether that's in mental health or physical health or emotional or past trauma, we want to pray for you as well. We want to encourage you if you need it, get medical help and also have a healthy lifestyle. So as a church, we're not just saying it's, it's one thing. We're saying there's a lot of things that we need to do to support each other along this journey. I'm so grateful that we can have and create a community together as part of this church that knows what it is to do things really well and to support each other really well. And I thank you for sharing um, those thoughts, Dave, and certainly a few things for me to think about and hopefully <coughs> for you to, you to think about if you're facing an issue excuse me, <coughs> or also if you're supporting someone who does have that issue as well. So what we're going to do right now, uh, we are going to... Uh, Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.